back right here on the morning after. Our number two begins on Sirius XM channel 204 all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. And for this second hour, we will focus on college football. It was an incredible Saturday across the entire sport of college football. Upsets and the number one team in the country goes down late at night in prime time in College Station. Alabama losing to Texas A&M. And because of that, the AP poll looks a whole lot different. Joining me to recap the madness is our guy from right here on SportsGrid. You can see him every weekend on in-game live all across the grid right here on the morning after on a weekly basis talking about SEC football, college football in general, and giving you the edges when it comes to CFB. It is Mark Zinno joining us for the second hour of the morning after on a Monday. Mark, how was your weekend looking back at college football? Uh, a little up and down. Uh, the Alabama game certainly uh, left me on the, the negative side of the winning. Uh, I thought that was going to go in a completely different direction as did many other people. But uh, on the upside, you know, overall, there are a lot of other games that, that went the way I thought they were going to go. So uh, it's going to be a great couple of weeks here in college football. I'm very excited. Mark, I completely agree with you. One of my best picks for the day that I felt very confident about on Saturday, Bama minus 10 and a half. In the first half against AM, they had an average margin in the plus favor of it at 27.4, leading at halftime throughout the season. That was not the case against Texas AM. They did not lead at the break, and they did not lead when the clock hit zero because Alabama going down to Texas AM in College Station, the first time, Mark, that Alabama has lost to an unranked opponent since 2007, the first time since the 2008 season, the number one team in the country has lost to an unranked foe. So because of that, the AP poll looks a whole lot different on this Monday than it did entering week number six on Saturday of this college football campaign. There is a new team at the top of the rankings. It is Georgia because the Bulldogs have looked incredibly dominant all season long in college football. Thanks to a win over Penn State at home at Kinnick Stadium on Saturday, the Iowa Hawkeyes jump into that number two overall spot in the AP Top 25. And then look at number three, the Cincinnati Bearcats, the highest ever program ranking for the Bearcats, the highest ever ranking of a non-Power 5 school dating back to the 2012 season when TCU was not a member of the Big 12, but held that ranking higher at the end of the season in the AP poll. But Cincy ranked number three. So the top three looks a lot different now, Mark, than it did entering Saturday. Georgia number one, Iowa number two, Cincinnati number three. What do you make of the new top three in college football? Well, if you look at it from the perspective of what are the holes that the remaining teams have as far as putting odds on the national championship scenarios or even just to make the college football playoff, I mean, Iowa still has an offensive problem. They can't score. Uh, you look at the games where they have scored a lot of points, more than 20, 23 in that range in the low 20s. They've, they've benefited from turnovers. They're the best turnover differential in the nation, and they got some more turnovers against Penn State on Saturday, enough to win in the game. But, again, scoring 23 points in the college football playoff is going to send you home in the first game when you get there, if you get there. And I don't even know if that's enough against Ohio State. So I think that Iowa, the bubble may burst on them sooner rather than later. They may get tripped up because there's just a, not a, a – Spencer Petras is not a guy that I'm going to put a lot of faith in to score me points. Look, Cincinnati, call me biased. Like, how long are we going to let this little thing play out here um, where we think that Cincinnati should be a college football playoff team? 
in reality, Alabama's loss puts them at a disadvantage, but they still control their own destiny. If they run the table and beat an undefeated Georgia in the SEC championship game, guess what? Georgia and Bama are both going to the playoff. It's not that hard to figure out. They needed Texas to beat Oklahoma to really throw a wrench into the works as far as their chances to make it. My guess, Ben, when they actually do the college football playoff rankings, they will leave Cincinnati at five or six. Enough to keep people interested, enough to keep people there. But at the end of the day, nobody from the college football playoff wants Cincinnati in the actual college football playoff. No group of five team has ever made the college football playoff in the seven years we have had it previously. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience as well. The second hour of the morning after getting underway, it's Ben Stevens and Mark Zeno. You are listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. So when you correlate the new top three, the new top five in the AP poll to the national championship market on FanDuel, they do not follow each other suit for suit because like Mark mentioned, Oklahoma is now number four. Alabama, despite the loss to Texas A&M, is still in the top five, ranked fifth in the country. So when you look at the national championship odds right now, Georgia is the favorite at plus 125. Alabama still has the second shortest odds at plus 250. Then Ohio State at plus 800. 800 Oklahoma is 20 to 1 Cincy despite being the number three team in the country is 30 to 1 in Iowa despite being the second ranked team in the country is 40 to 1 tied with another team in the Big Ten Conference Michigan with the sixth shortest odds to win the national championship five Big Ten teams by the way ranked in the top 10 you also have Penn State there and Michigan State Ohio State ranked sixth in the country so Mark a lot of value maybe right now in the college football playoff national championship market you still have Alabama with the second shortest odds at plus 250 there is still a path for the tie despite the loss in college station on Saturday night if they run the table they meet up with Georgia in the SEC title game and they knock off the dogs then yeah I still think Alabama might make the college football playoff all those scenarios to lay out and we will dive into what the SEC looks like right now with the mouth in the south himself Mark Zinno, that's coming up next on the other side of the break. The college football landscape on the second hour of the morning after. Stay right here on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Looking back at the weekend that was in college football, you are listening to The Morning After on Sirius XM, Channel 204, watching across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens, and for this second hour, talking all things CFB, we are joined by Mark Zeno. Mark also goes by the mouth in the South. He previews the SEC weekend. He recaps the SEC weekend with us here now, looking back on what was a interesting weekend in the Southeastern Conference. Mainly interesting because what happened in primetime in College Station, Texas A&M, who previously was unranked, taking on the number one team in the country in Alabama. The Crimson Tide entered that game as a 17.5-point favorite. A&M had lost two straight games. It seemed like prior to the year that that game was going to be Alabama's toughest test 
within their own division, the SEC West. By the time we got to kick on Saturday, it almost seemed like a foregone conclusion that Alabama was going to win the game. Alabama and Georgia would meet up in the SEC championship game as unbeaten sides. But Jimbo Fisher making good on the promise he had earlier in the summer saying, we are going to kick Saban's tail and I'm going to beat him before he retires. Well, thanks to a last second field goal in College Station, Texas A&M prevails 41-38, winning outright as a money line underdog, covering against the number. The total goes way of, uh, over of a number that was 50 and a half, 51 and a half. Mark, Alabama loses to an unranked foe for the first time in 100 games, dating back to the 2007 season. So how did Texas A&M get it done? I'm still scratching my head to figure out how. One, I owe a massive apology to Zach Calzada and his entire family. Mm. I've been ripping this kid for the last three weeks as an incompetent quarterback, and finally he shows up against the best team in the world and plays the game of his life, and Texas A&M gets a win. So apologies to Zach Calzada and his entire family. But here's the thing, Ben, that, that's troubling me. You know, we went back to the Florida game, and we saw how Bama struggled and eat that were out of win against Florida. And then we figured in this old Miss game, and Lane Kiffin was primed for it, get your popcorn ready and everything, that it was going to be a game where Old Miss could at least keep it close, and they get their doors blown off, and Bama's defense, you know, never lets Old Miss move the ball at all. And so I was wondering sort of what team was going to show up on Saturday, and I had just defaulted to the fact that Florida was a blip on the radar and that that game hmm. really was just, you know, a game that Bama didn't get up for, whatever it was. And then it sort of repeats itself, you know, like they were down 14 nothing early. They were chasing the whole time. You know, I don't know what the magic elixir was in the game plan standpoint that both Dan Mullen and Jimbo Fisher were able to figure out that Lane Kiffin couldn't. But whatever it is, I'm sure teams now are scrambling, looking at the blueprint to figure out how to go out and beat Alabama. I mean, it really was a head scratcher. I didn't see this one coming at all. And if I'm not mistaken, this might be the first loss that Nick Saban has suffered to a former assistant coach in Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo worked with him during his time in Baton Rouge at LSU. So when you look at what this means right now, Texas A&M back into the top 25. They are ranked 21st. Alabama, despite the loss, only falls back to number five in the AP top 25 poll. When you look at the odds and how it pertains to Alabama, Bama still plus 250 to win the national championship. They were minus 800 to make the college football playoff entering Saturday. So number five in the country is Alabama. Back up to number one is Georgia. Georgia ranked number one for the first time since the 2008 preseason poll. And Georgia's defense, Mark, continues to be dominant. Slowing down Auburn and the Tigers only scored 10 points to Georgia's 34 on Saturday in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. So Georgia, another huge win. They cover another huge spread that ended around 14 and a half, 15 and a half. Georgia this year, Mark, not only is the defense so dominant, and we'll touch on that in just a moment, but Georgia is also five and one against the number, a cover percentage of 83.3% one of 10 teams in the country that has a 5-1 record against the spread with a cover percentage above 83. Yeah, and again, odds makers keep trying to find a number that's going to entice bettors uh, to, to try and bet against Georgia. Uh, and, and at this point, you shouldn't. I know the number this week coming up against Kentucky, I think it opened around 22, 22 and a half. Mm. 
there's literally no reason to bet against Georgia against the spread at this point in time until you see otherwise. You can sort of ride that train all the way into the ground. The only reason that they wouldn't cover is because Kirby Smart takes his foot off the gas and, and isn't willing to kind of push the pedal to continue to score. And just one quick note, I, I would just like, I had the contrarian over on Saturday, and, and the process is right. I said Auburn had to get to 10, and they got there, um, and they got there earlier than I thought they were going to because I didn't think they would get there until the fourth quarter with a garbage touchdown. But a couple of plays here and there, Brian Harson decides after a Georgia hump runs off sides on a field goal attempt in the end of the first half to go for it and not get it, he kicks that field goal. I feel like I'm cashing uh, a ticket right now. But nonetheless, I'm not bitter about it or anything. But still, your point is about Georgia's defense. Really, the only flaw with this Georgia team is can they score when pressed to, right? They've never been in a game this year where they've ever had to have a possession where they have to score. And so we don't know that about them, but why would we believe they would ever have to be? What team is going to put them at a disadvantage where they have to they, they have to score? Their defense is that good. It's only the second offensive touchdown they've given up all year long to Auburn. They gave one up the garbage one up to South Carolina earlier. Other than that, their defense has as many touchdowns uh, scored as their defense has or as their uh, defense has given up. So I, I don't know that there's a hole in Georgia right now. I mean, other than a major injury or something, you know, unforeseen happening, this is the most complete team in college football, and they have been for a couple of weeks. I probably I advocated for them to be number one a couple ago over Alabama, pretty much after the Florida game. You, you kind of could tell that that Bama uh, ha- had a couple of dents in their armor, and still uh, Georgia makes the num- is the number one team in the nation for the first time in school history in midseason, and a unanimous number one at that. Yeah, absolutely so. And my process on Georgia, backing Georgia opponent team total unders, hit again on Saturday. Auburn's team total 14 and a half. The Tigers end with 10. Georgia, the top scoring defense in the country. Their opponents only scoring 5.5 points per game. Georgia, the best total defense in the country. Their opponents only racking up 203.5 yards per game. The fourth best rushing defense in the country. Limited tank bank speed to under 30 yards on Saturday. So Georgia, the number one team in the country, and rightfully so. They seem a peg above everybody, even including Alabama. So right now, when you look at the SEC championship odds, Mark, Georgia is the odds-on favorite by themselves at minus 130. Alabama back into plus money category at plus 110. Then a very large drop-off. Mississippi, Ole Miss is 40-1. to Kentucky, who Georgia plays on Saturday, is 60-1. to So... Here is my question when you look at it. Georgia is minus 130 as the odds-on minus money favorite to win the SEC Conference Championship. Alabama, the second shortest odds at plus 110. If Bama runs the table, if Georgia runs the table, and they meet in the SEC title game, Mark, do you think that's what the money line will look like? Georgia minus 130, Alabama plus 110. I still kind of feel like Bama might be a slight favorite in that game. Hmm. Uh, just because of the way the public bets Alabama over Georgia. I mean, a- again, if the bet right now for Alabama is buy back in on the national championship odds, Ben, at plus 250. You're not going to get better than that on Alabama. It's the best value you're going to see at two and a half to one. There's no reason not to make that bet at this point in time. Again, they control their own destiny. Like a- an Alabama team after a loss to me is almost more dangerous than an undefeated Alabama team. Nick Saban gets laser-focused after his team makes mistakes. He is super hard on them after wins where he doesn't feel like they played well enough. Don't think for one second that Nick Saban still isn't playing for a national title every single game. And so you could start to leverage a little bit with Alabama here getting plus money. They're not bad bets to take at all. And certainly watch them come out with a vengeance in the coming weeks 
against everybody that they're going to play and really kind of stomp on their throat and crush them early on. In fact, there is a market that would follow that thought process right now up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Alabama and Georgia minus 200 to win the national championship against the field. That is plus 175. Georgia, by the way, just to show you how dominant they are, they host 11th ranked Kentucky at home this weekend on Saturday. Georgia is a 22 and a half point favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I even saw it last night at 23 and a half. We will break down that game, look ahead to some big lines on this upcoming Saturday of college football. So Georgia's number one. Number two in the AP poll is Iowa. Five Big Ten teams ranked in the top 10. We look at the Big Ten Conference coming up next, right here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Mark Zinno for this second hour. I am Ben Stevens. And in this second hour, we look back on the weekend that was in college football. We have seen shakeups all across the board in pretty much every single conference across the country in college football, including the Big Ten Conference, because now the number two team in the country resides in the Big Ten. It is the Iowa Hawkeyes, the second highest ranking in program history ever, the highest ranking since 1985 when the Hawkeyes under Hayden Fry were number one in the country for several weeks. You have five Big Ten teams, in fact, all ranked in the top ten. Only five Big Ten teams ranked in the entire AP Top 25, but all of them coming in the top ten. That is the most teams the Big Ten has ever had ranked in the top 10. So, Mark, when we look at the Big Ten Conference right now, here's how it looks from a value perspective on the Big Ten Championship board. You still have Ohio State as the odds-on favorites to win the Big Ten Conference at minus 130. In fact, it is the same odds when you correlate it to Georgia to win the SEC, the Dogs minus 130, the Buckeyes minus 130 to win the Big Ten Conference. As you look through this board, there might be some value still on Iowa. Now at plus 250, but it's 50 cents shorter than it was before the Hawkeyes knocked off Penn State at home on Saturday. Michigan is plus 600, and then it falls down back after that with a couple of teams with much longer odds. You see Penn State, you see Wisconsin still in the Big Ten West. Michigan State is an intriguing one at 40 to 1 that we'll dive into in just a couple of moments. But Mark, when you look at the Big Ten Conference overall, as things stand here now at the midway point, do you think the road still runs through Columbus to be the Big Ten champion? Yeah, I mean, it runs through somebody in that half of the division, Ben. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, here's the thing about Iowa. There's two things going against them. One you know, they play in the easier size, so they don't have to play as many ranked opponents. At the end of the day, Iowa's schedule will involve them beating one team that'll probably be in the top 25 when it's all said and done, and that's Penn State. 
the Iowa State win doesn't look as impressive as it does. Iowa really has no choice but to run the table and win the Big Ten if they want to get in the college football playoff. Even if they lose in the Big Ten championship game, whoever it is from the other side, if it's Ohio State, they've beaten three top ten opponents in Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State. Pick any one of those four schools. They've had to contend with three other teams and get there to get to the to the Big Ten championship game and beat them. So Iowa doesn't have that luxury of having a lot of other pretty wins on their schedule. And furthermore, speaking of pretty, Iowa's ugly. I mean, they are not a pretty football team to watch. And whether that's supposed to matter or not, somehow it works itself into the conscience of the college football playoff committee. And the fact that Iowa is an ugly team and they don't win with points, they don't win in a fun way, the games are boring to watch, they're messy and slow from that standpoint – they're going to take an Ohio State. They'll even take a Michigan State. Again, if they can last and be undefeated or, or, or Michigan, all three of those teams have a much decidedly tougher schedule and road to the college football playoff through the Big Ten Championship. So if the road doesn't go through Columbus, it goes through either Ann Arbor or uh, anywhere else in the Big Ten on that side. Yeah, the Big Ten East right now certainly has the advantage over the Big Ten West. Only Iowa right now in the Big Ten West is ranked currently, and the Hawkeyes only play – teams within their own division throughout the final six games that Iowa has this year. A game against Wisconsin the final weekend of October seemed to be a game in the preseason that would have been a top 15 battle. That does not look to be the case with where the Badgers are currently in the college football landscape. Meanwhile, the Big Ten East looks very daunting still. Four teams ranked in the top 10. You have Ohio State. You have Michigan. Michigan State and Penn State. In fact, both Michigan and Michigan State remain unbeaten. Both of those teams only have one game until they meet each other in East Lansing on that same Saturday, October 30th, for what will be an incredibly enticing game in which we could see both the Spartans and the Wolverines perfect, unbeaten so far this year, facing off against one another in that bitter rivalry come the final weekend of October. There are 13 remaining unbeaten teams right now in all of college football. Three of them reside in the Big Ten Conference. Two of those teams have been very profitable against the number as well. Both Iowa and Michigan, and then you throw in Michigan State, the three unbeaten teams left in the Big Ten Conference. Iowa and Michigan are 5-1 and one against the spread, both covering 83.3% of their games. Michigan narrowly covering against Nebraska on the road this past Saturday night in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Michigan winning 32 to 29 in that ball game mark. It was a very narrow margin of victory where in fact you could look on the other side. Maybe Nebraska shot themselves in the foot as they have done numerous times in the Scott Frost era. Instead of pulling off that upset, Michigan able to cover a small number of two and a half against the Huskers on Saturday night. Anything that you can take away from that game mark either on Nebraska or Michigan's side moving forward here the rest of the year in college football. Well, Nebraska is competitive, right? Like, after the week one loss to Illinois, there were rumors about Scott Frost being on the hot seat and whether he was going to keep his job. But they've managed to be competitive pretty much in every other game. So I guess that's a step forward. I think we're kind of forgetting where Nebraska was before Scott Frost took over and how bad they were and how, how laughable they were. So I guess you give them a little bit of credit. But Michigan, again, I think we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop with the Wolverines here because we're so used to seeing it happen in the Jim Harbaugh era. There's always a game that they kind of just, just stink up before they get to Ohio State and end up getting their brains beat in by the Buckeyes. And so I think we're kind of waiting. This defense is at a different level for Michigan, and that's really the thing that separates them from other Jim Harbaugh teams at this point in time. So I, I am skeptical of Michigan. 
they, they they have played with fire a couple of times and and they've gotten through it. But I think you know overall this is a team that probably is better suited to take on Ohio State in any other year that they've been. They're better suited to win the Big Ten in any other year that they've been. Unlike Michigan State, who I really feel like is playing with a lot of fire and getting in way too many close games that they shouldn't be in. And so from that standpoint, I think Michigan State ends up being the first one of the unbeatens in the Big Ten to fall. Michigan is 5-1 and one against the number again, covering by an average of double-digit points per game. Nebraska entered Saturday's contest against the Wolverines, 5-1 and one against the spread. They are now 5-2 and two against the spread. So although they are just 3-4 and four straight up, still a profitable year at least for Scott Frost and the Huskers. Now they go through their Big Ten West slate, maybe pick up a couple more wins, hoping to get to bowl eligibility. You mentioned Michigan State as well. Michigan State stays unbeaten with a win over Rutgers on the road in Piscataway on Saturday. A close game throughout. Michigan State pulls away at the end, covering that number against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So Michigan State also unbeaten. So here's what we have left for both MSU and Michigan ahead of what could be a potential perfect unbeaten matchup between the Spartans and Wolverines moving forward. Michigan State has Indiana this weekend on the road in Bloomington. Right now, the Spartans a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Then they have a bye the following weekend and then will host the Wolverines on October 30th. Michigan has a bye this week and then plays Northwestern at home in Ann Arbor a week from Saturday. They should be a hefty favorite in that game against a struggling team from Evanston, Illinois. And again, Mark, I want to bring back up the Big Ten championship odds because you mentioned it. Although Michigan State might seem right now on paper as the most likely team to lose their first game out of the unbeaten so far in the Big Ten, to be 40-1 to right now, to win the Big Ten Championship with a perfect 6-0 record certainly is an indication from the FanDuel Sportsbook about Michigan State and how the rest of their schedule looks because out of those four teams ranked in the top 10 in the Big Ten East, Michigan State has to still play all of them. Penn State the final week of the year, Ohio State after Michigan, and then Michigan coming up again October 30th. So an indication mark at 40-1 to where Michigan State's outlook might be in the Big Ten Conference right now. Yeah, um, look, Michigan State, ever since the Miami game where they were a six-point dog and they won outright, that's when everybody started to take notice of the Spartans, right? I know you had them earlier in the year. You thought they were a seven-win team, so props to you. You, you had the, I don't know if you bet the over, but you talked about it often, so I know that, that that was the side that you were on. But everybody started to catch on after that Miami game. Since then, oddsmakers have made Michigan State a favorite, and they've been a short favorite against teams that they should be decidedly better than, again, particularly this week. Not a heavy favorite against a, a Rutgers team that's going in the wrong direction, and only a short favorite this week against Indiana on the road in Bloomington. And so it makes me start to wonder, this feels like the trap spot look-ahead game to Michigan that, uh, as a better, you can look to. You and I both have had our, our back and forth on Indiana. If Michael Penix Jr. is healthy and plays really well, this would be the spot that I think where Mel Tucker's squad gets tripped up. They've been playing with fire a lot. They barely squeak past Nebraska again. It was a closer game against Rutgers this week than what the final score had indicated, and, and, they, and they let Rutgers hang around a little bit longer than they should have. I just feel like how long can you continue to be this short favorite and eventually not get bit in the backside and this week may be the week for Michigan State that the, that the balloon bursts. 
The, Spartan, the Spartans, a slight road favorite in each of the last two weeks by five and a half, six against Rutgers this past Saturday. Again, the line right now, three and a half in favor of MSU against IU on the road in Bloomington for the Spartans. Meanwhile, Ohio State Mark seems to have figured it out. Again, they are the odds-on favorites still to win the Big Ten Conference at minus 130. They have an average scoring margin of victory of 44 points per game the last two weeks. I know it's against Maryland and Rutgers, but Ohio State is starting to figure it out a little bit. C.J. Stroud, now the third shortest odds to win the Heisman at plus 700. His stat line on Saturday, Mark, was pretty impressive against Maryland. C.J. Stroud was 24-33, 406 yards in five touchdowns against the Terps, part of 66 points Ohio State scored against Maryland this past Saturday. So Ohio State starting to round into form, one of four unbeaten teams in the Big Ten East right now, and the Buckeyes, the odds-on favorite to win the conference overall at minus 130. Iowa, again, the second shortest odds at plus 250. Michigan, unbeaten as well, the third shortest odds at plus 600. So we look back on this past Saturday slate. We now look forward, even on a Monday, because you need to know where the lines are and where they might move in the college football realm. That's next with Mark Zitino on the other side of the break here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Eastern on the Sports Grid Network. Right back here on Sports Grid and the morning after. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, watching all across the Sports Grid network, and we thank you for doing so on this Monday morning. I am Ben Stevens, and joined for this second hour all about college football by Sports Grid's very own. It is Mark Zinno here along for the ride. And Mark, we have broken down the Big Ten Conference. We have looked at the SEC and the shakeups in the Southeastern Conference. Now that we're at the midway point of this college football season, week six, in the rear view but on the horizon is week number seven not the greatest slate of games all across the country we're starting to get into some bye weeks for some of the top teams in the nation but a couple of games that do paint a picture on some of the best teams in college football and where they might stand at this midway point i think a line that is truly indicative of how good georgia is and why they are the unanimous number one team in the country is this week for the bulldogs hosting the kentucky wildcats georgia unbeaten six and oh Kentucky unbeaten 6-0 now ranked 11th in the country and Georgia is at home and despite all of that two unbeaten records two teams that are five and one against the spread Georgia is favored by 23 and a half points at home in Athens this Saturday against the Kentucky Wildcats compare the 23 and a half that Georgia is favored by to the total as well the over under is 44 and a half 23 and a half mark in favor of UGA tells you what about how the book feels about Georgia. 
um, that they're not going to give up more than 10 points. If that, it'll probably be in single digits. I mean, that's that's just where mm-hmm. odds makers believe this is. That's why they can put such a short distance between the spread and the total. I mean, in reality, anytime your total is within 20 points of your spread, you're asking for a really small window because, again, even 35 to 10 to cover this, 30 to 10 doesn't get you a cover. Right. So 35 to 10, 33 to 10 is a really tough window to get into to cover the spread and hit the under. Uh, it's just indicative of how good Georgia's defense has been. And look, this is a game right off the bat for like a quick initial handicap. And I look at this and I would take the under in this spot just because Kentucky's defense may be the best defense that Georgia has played to this point. But as you said, the easy plays here are to lay the points with Georgia, take the Georgia opponent team total under. And, you know, just watch those two things go until they don't come in. There's no reason to believe Georgia shouldn't be able to cover this spread. Kentucky is a run-the-football-play defense kind of team. That's great if it's 2007. Right now, in 2021, you have to be able to throw the ball, and you have to be able to score points quickly if you'd like to take out the number one team in the nation, similar to what Texas A&M did. you got to put them on their heels. That's not Kentucky's offense. So the question is, do you believe Kentucky can get to double digits? If they can then there's a good chance this thing can go over. I just don't see it happening. My plan, and as I have reiterated, and my theory and thought process is I'm going to take Georgia's opponent team total under until proven otherwise. When you look at these numbers right now, with Georgia being favored by 23.5 and the game total overall being 44.5, you can do a quick estimation that Kentucky's team total is going to be 10.5, 9.5 by the time we get to Saturday. That is going to be a very small number and put my theory to test in maybe one of the biggest ways that we have seen so far this year. Now, Kentucky is averaging more than 28 points per game in their four SEC wins so far, but their greatest scoring outputs coming against Missouri, where they scored 35 points, and against LSU this past Saturday, where they scored 42 points. But LSU's defense is trash. Missouri's defense is even worse than that. Missouri has the 11th worst scoring defense in the country. Georgia has the best scoring defense in the country, allowing their opponents to only score, on average, 5.5 points per game. So I'm still going to ride with the theory this week, Mark, but it is going to be a very small team total for Kentucky. Again, I think right around that 10-point total margin we will see on the Kentucky Wildcats on the road in Athens. And you talk about a Georgia team that is 5-1 against the number. They are covering by nearly 15 points per game. So not even just covering, but doing so by more than two touchdowns. The only game that Georgia did not cover this year is when South Carolina got a garbage time touchdown and Georgia still won that game 40-13, to a scoring margin of victory of 27 points. That is the only game Georgia has not covered so far this year. But Kentucky also 5-1 and one against the spread to attempt te- two of 10 teams in the country with a cover percentage of 83.3 points per game. It is just laughable to me, Mark, at times that you see a Georgia team who, yes, is the number one team in the country, but even against the number 11 team in the country is a 23.5-point favorite. Only in college football are the best teams in the country separated by that big of a margin where the truly great teams are on a different level than even the good teams in their same conference in all of college football. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, I think it speaks 100% to what you said about Georgia and how good they are. But again, it's, it also speaks so much to the fact that oddsmakers can see this defense for what it is. By far the best defense in the nation. Again, 13 points is the most points they've given up all season long. And again, it came on a garbage touchdown. I mentioned it earlier. Their defense has scored 16 points this year. 
That's that's just one touchdown less than what they've given up this year. So it's they're that good, and and odds makers have no choice but to make long odds on the side and short odds on the total because you're really only asking for one team to do all the scoring, and that's Georgia. Mm. Um, and look. Give credit to the odds, mate. They were right on the button. They put the total at 45 and a half, 46. What came in this weekend against Auburn? 44. They're right there. They're, they're seeing this exactly for what it is. It's just one or two plays that happen throughout a game that may change the course of whether it bounces in one direction or the other. Yeah, it's going to be a very small team total on Kentucky. The team total for Georgia, probably around 33 and a half, 34 and a half, whatever it might be by the time we get to Saturday. So again, Put your pin in this one right now. Georgia, a 23.5-point favorite. The over-under for the game, 44.5. We will see how this line moves ahead of a top-15 matchup in Athens, Georgia, between Georgia and Kentucky on Saturday. We talk about Georgia being the number one team in the country in the movement at the top of the AP poll. Well, now ranked third in the country is Cincinnati. And the Bearcats start play in the American throughout the rest of the season. They did last week against Temple. They won 52-3. Now they get Central Florida, where at least on paper, you might expect this game to be rather competitive. Well, the numbers would dictate this is not going to be that competitive a game because Cincinnati right now is favored by 20 and a half points on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over-under total for a game against the Knights of UCF is 55 and a half. Now UCF this year, Mark, just one and four against the spread, not covering by an average margin of more than a touchdown per game. Cincinnati needs to keep winning big. So just on the overview of this game, how much do you think the Bearcats need to cover a nearly three-touchdown spread? Yeah, again, optics, for whatever reason, if you want them to play a role in this whole thing as far as deciding college football playoff teams or not, you don't really get a choice. They are part of it. Cincinnati has no room for error. They have to blow everybody out 52-3. to They have to come out and win and cover big and make it so the college football playoff committee doesn't have a single question about their resume other than the fact that they don't play in a Power 5 school and play a Power 5 schedule. So other than that, they have no choice but to blow everybody's doors off and leave no doubt that they absolutely are are, are a unanimous top-four team in the country. I personally don't think it's going to happen. I personally don't think they'll do it. Somebody in their conference will trip them up enough where it is a close game that's going to leave some doubt in the minds of the college football playoff committee. Well, you know, they kind of struggled with Memphis or whatever it may be, whoever it is, somewhere along the lines, somebody like that that they're going to struggle with. So from that standpoint, there's, there's as I said, no room for error. Um, this is a game that they should win and cover easily. But give a little bit of credit to UCF. At least some of those guys have had a pedigree of success they've been a ranked mm-hmm. team before they're certainly not afraid of this moment and again i don't know if this will be the week where somebody challenges cincinnati i don't think it will be but at least the program has a little bit of pedigree for it yeah cincinnati four and one against the spread this year a spread of 20 and a half since he needs those style points they need to rack up the scores they should have a good opportunity to do that this week against Central Florida because Cincinnati is the seventh best scoring offense in the country, averaging 40.8 points per game. UCF is allowing more than 31 points per game to their opponents. UCF's defense, not all that great. It is a reason that Central Florida is 3-1-1 to the over-under total so far this year, the 12th highest over percentage in all of college football. I think for Cincinnati, they need to have this game played to the over in hopes of covering a 20-and-a-half-point spread. They did not have a letdown this past Friday night against Temple, winning 52-3. to Our associate producer, former intern on TMA, Jack Weinberger, 
That was his cap of the week, since he covering by 30 and a half based on Neil Armstrong and a whole variety of reasons. But Cincinnati covered a big spread. They need to continue to do that as they are now in the thick of conference action. Speaking of a very intriguing conference game, Mark, a game I am thrilled for this weekend. Honestly, might be more excited for it than many others across the entire country in college football. Takes place in the Atlantic Coast Conference in what I think will be the battle to determine the eventual champion of the Coastal Division in the ACC who will have a spot in the ACC Conference Championship game. The game I'm referencing, it is Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech. The Panthers coming off a bye, a three and a half point road favorite on the road in Blacksburg, taking on Virginia Tech. The over-under total for this game is 56.5. So here's what's at stake. Pitt right now has the second shortest odds to win the ACC title behind Clemson at plus 300. Virginia Tech, the third shortest odds at plus 800 to win the ACC title. These two teams both play in the Coastal. It could end up determining who is the Coastal champion advancing on to the ACC title game. Mark, I'm excited for this game. How do you feel about Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech? I love me some Kenny Pickett. Um, this is a guy that probably should be getting a lot more Heisman consideration than what he is. He's mm. been absolutely fantastic this year. Uh, Pitt has been a silent assassin when it comes to hitting numbers, team totals, and everything else, the way they played. Uh, if you haven't been following him, you might want to get on the train sooner rather than later. But this is a game that I look at, Ben. I look at the over and I look at the Pitt team total uh, as two things that I really like in this spot. Not sure that I think Pitt's going to win the game, but I do think it'll be a game that draws out a little bit of Virginia Tech's offense and starts to get them moving the ball a little bit more because Pitt does that. They play up, face, up pace, they play fast, they can score quick, and they're going to force other teams to be able to do that. So uh, I really like the spot for Pittsburgh here as far as their team total when it comes out. If you get mm. something in the mid-30s, mid to high 30s, I'm still not scared off of it. I, I think this is a game where they can put up 35 or 40. Uh, and again, I just ride the arm of Kenny Pickett all the way through. But I think this over 56 and a half where it was is also a good number. If you keep me under 58, 57 in that spot, I think this is a game where both teams are in the 30s, if not higher. Took the words right out of my mouth. The way I'm going to play this game, as confident as I feel about Georgia opponent team total unders, might be how <laughs> confident I feel in Pittsburgh team total overs because not only Kenny Pickett who right now by the way is tied for the sixth shortest odds to win the Heisman with Bijan Robinson at 30 to 1 Kenny Pickett is going to be a guy that moves up a lot of NFL draft boards over the next couple of months believe me when I say that Kenny Pickett will be a top five in consideration pick in this upcoming NFL draft because you look at Pittsburgh's offense right now the third best scoring offense in the country averaging 46.2 points per game that doesn't even take into account mark a game against an fcs foe in new hampshire where pittsburgh scored 77 points so yeah i look to the over for Pitt as well all five games the panthers have played this year have hit to the over they are one of just two teams in the country that have all five of their games hitting to the over so far throughout this college football season by the way Pitt four and one against the spread covering by an average margin of 12.3 points per game that is the second highest average that teams are covering against the number in all of college football the only team better than Pittsburgh in that regard is Georgia so I like Pittsburgh laying the three and a half but where I'm focusing is on a Panthers team total over for this upcoming Saturday against Tech. we get Mark's bookmaking ability on the other side of the break it is time to guess the line he looks at Alabama that's coming up next right here on the grid
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hours on the morning after where we talk college football absolutely breeze by. So this hour number two of TMA on a Monday morning has been like that, gone in a flash. But now with Mark Zinno, I am Ben Stevens. You are listening on Sirius XM channel 204. This is the morning after it is time to get Mark Zinno's bookmaking ability and put it to the test as we play Guess the Line. All right, not only is Mark Zinno Mark Zinno, he is also the mouth in the South. And after the upset that Alabama suffered on the road in College Station this week, I want to hear what Mark thinks Alabama's college football playoff odds will be when the FanDuel Sportsbook releases those updated odds later this upcoming week. Entering Saturday, Mark, just so you have the background, Alabama was minus 800 to make the CFP. After the loss to Texas A&M, what do you think Bama's CFP odds would be right now? I thought about this through the break. Um, look, they're still going to be a favorite to make the college football playoff because they do control their own destiny. And so my initial reaction was to go around minus 350, but I started to think that's probably a little bit too heavy on the favorite side to get people to bet on it. So I'll settle somewhere in around minus 250, minus 275 still to make the college football playoff. It would be pretty crazy to see a one-loss team. That that one loss was to an unranked foe, although Texas A&M, who is now ranked 21st, still be minus 275 to make the college football playoff. But I cannot argue against Mark Zinno. You could look at the market right now. Alabama, plus 110 to win the SEC championship. Still the second shortest odds in that conference and the second shortest to win the national championship at plus 250. Mark Zinno, as always, thank you very much for your time. You can catch him all across the Sports Grid Network all throughout the week and into the weekend as well. Mark, talk to you very soon. You're the best, man. The mouth in the South with some great SEC takes and some great college football takes as well. Just don't ask him about kicking in the National Football League. Coming up next in hour number three, it is happy hour. Major League Baseball postseason action and looking ahead to Monday night football as well. That's coming up next here on The Grid. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to take you for a haircut when you were a kid. (laughs) 